you don't really see always the inward success. I worked just as hard at building my family as I did building our business. And as I was building the business, same thing applied to my family. You know, failure is not an option. Divorce is not an option. You can knock me down, but I'm going to get right back up, one foot in front of the other, building the, the house one brick at a time. Okay, this week's guest on the Gravity Podcast is Cameron Mitchell. Cameron is the founder and CEO of Cameron Mitchell Restaurants, CMR, headquartered in Columbus, Ohio, which celebrates 30 years of business this year, 2023. Over these many years, Cam has enjoyed success as a lifelong entrepreneur, an accomplished businessman, a culinary expert, and a nationally recognized restaurateur. And you'll learn from listening to him, it's really about building a restaurant business. It's not about opening restaurants, although they have also this year opened their 100th restaurant. And more importantly, I think you'll be inspired by Cameron's story. He is really, truly a self-made very resilient, hardworking human at work and life. I am equally, if not more impressed with how he has emphasized the importance of family and relationship and marriage and friends and community and giving back and service. I would say he's every bit as successful at life as he is at work. And uh, yeah, it's an honor just to know him, to be friends with him, to have the conversation, and I hope you get something out of it. I know you will. I did. So enjoy. All right. Well, welcome back to uh, the Gravity Podcast. We're here today with my friend Cameron Mitchell. Cameron, thanks for taking some time to, to join sure. me on the podcast. My pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's good to get into this conversation with you. I'm curious to hear kind of the full journey and start at the beginning. Let's give the audience a little background on on who you were as a kid, your your family upbringing, you know, any kind of early childhood dynamics mm -hmm. that would be helpful for us to understand. Well, I wrote a book called uh, Yes is the Answer, What's the Question? And I talked quite a bit extensively about my childhood. It was fairly normal, I guess, um, in my younger years, but... Uh, when I was nine, I start the book out, the very first uh, page of the book. I'm nine years old. I'm coming home from school with mom in the car and I ask what time dad is coming home and when's dad coming home? And she said he's not. And that was the first I knew. I'd always seen them fight, but I never mm -hmm. really knew what divorce was or anything. And that was the beginning of a uh, three-year kind of tumultuous divorce and, you know, every other weekend, back and forth with him and um, so forth. And that was very difficult to live through, if you will, as a young kid. And then mm -hmm. uh, first day of seventh grade bus stop, so I think I would have been 12 at this time, and a big eighth grader comes up to me and says, do you smoke? And I said, uh, peer pressure. I'm like, yeah. And <laughs> so I started smoking first day of seventh grade bus stop and and kind of smoked and dealt with nicotine ever since the rest of my life and mm -hmm. on and off and on and off. But that mm -hmm. led me into drugs and alcohol and mm -hmm. uh and I always say, you know, I turned out okay, and that eighth grader turned out okay. He ended up being a U.S. congressman, so he <laughs> turned it out okay. But anyways, it started on a mm -hmm. tumultuous path. And mm -hmm. and by the time I was a uh, sophomore in high school, my mom 
I had I had stopped seeing my dad, my mom, and was going to have me declared incorrigible. I think I had a meeting with Franklin County Children's Services, and so I took off what would have been early April of my of my sophomore year, and and uh, uh, left for the clothes on my back, basically, and a few other things. And there was a one was a runaway. I lived in a one bedroom apartment. Spent my 16th birthday that summer on the run, and and uh, you know stole for a living and you know, odd jobs. Uh, whatever I could do to make some money and uh, lived in a one-bedroom apartment with uh, another guy, an 18-year-old who had the apartment and a bunch of the runaways and misfits were there too and lived mm-hmm. there. And so, uh, and in the night before what would have been my soft, uh, my junior year, excuse me, to start school, uh, I picked up the phone at a friend's house and called my mom and said, can I come home? And she said, absolutely. And I came home and we made amends and, mm-hmm. you know, Went to school the next day. Started what had been my junior year, and I obviously had a lot of ground to make up. And um, mm-hmm. uh, my mom was a single mom. My dad had stopped giving child support long ago and alimony, mm-hmm. and it uh, she couldn't afford to give me lunch money. So I worked in a cafeteria to, to get lunch uh, during the day and at lunchtime, and then she couldn't give me spending money, and so I, I had to get a job. And so I got a job as a at a local steakhouse branch of a national chain and had uh, as a dishwasher and started washing dishes at 265 an hour in 1980 so that was 43 years ago i started mm-hmm. in the restaurant business mm-hmm. and i didn't know what i was i mean you know i didn't know anything about the restaurant business i just happened to be a first job as a teenager and mm-hmm. um you know i started you know like prep work and busing tables and cooking and so forth and worked that and other jobs i worked at taco bell also in high school and in high school, I always said the can do, but I didn't have the will do. And so mm-hmm. I was working in restaurants at night and partying and, you know, mm-hmm. barely getting up and going to class if I did go to class the next day and and throwing parties, like I said, and having a good time. And and I ended up uh, beginning my senior year, I ran for senior class president. I won <laughs> that position and um, I gave a great speech because the one C <laughs> I got in high school was public speaking. So I... <laughs> became class president and then uh, senior year came along and graduation came along and I had was taking sophomore English for my third time you know I dropped out my sophomore year failed at my junior year and I was in my taking my senior year my teacher and the principal warned me that if I don't pull myself together I'm not gonna be able to pass I'm not gonna be able to give the graduation speech and, and walk with my class and and subsequently, I didn't, and so I, I couldn't give the commencement address. I ended up getting out after summer school, and I was uh, my rank was five ninety two out of five ninety seven. I had a one point oh five GPA, and and I I knew I didn't want to go right after college. I knew I was going to go to college. I didn't know what I wanted to do, so I, I didn't want to go right off. I grew up in Arlington. Mm-hmm. You know, all the kids in Arlington go off to college. It's pretty mm-hmm. standard procedure, and and. Uh, so I was just working in restaurants. I was 18 years old, mm-hmm. uh, living at home with mom, not a boy, not a man, working for beer money, going nowhere. Mm-hmm. And I opened, uh, so that had been December of my the year I graduated, that summer that I graduated, opened up a Max and Irma's restaurant here on Kenny Road. Up, up and, and back then it was just packed to the gills. And, and mm-hmm. uh, um, I mean, do a thousand covers on a weekend, on a Friday or Saturday, you know, thousand mm-hmm. people. And, so I worked here for a couple months, and again, I was going nowhere, and I was working two jobs, and I uh, 
ended up getting suspended for three days because I was late too many times because I overslept too many times and irresponsible. And I got put on 30 days probation. And I was during my probationary period. It was a Friday afternoon. And I was working AM shift as a line cook from 8 to 4 that day. And then from 5 to 11 or 12 that night, I was working as a PM host. So I was going to work a double shift and had an hour to go home and change and get cleaned up. And at 4 o'clock that afternoon, you know, the restaurant... Uh, I was already half full. The bar was already packed. You know, the AM shift was trying to leave. PM shift was trying to come on. And everybody was trying to get, AM, PM shift was trying to get food and stuff. And uh, and managers were barking orders. And I just looked across, time froze. I had a piffy. I looked across the line in the kitchen. And I said, uh, just hit me like a ton of bricks. I said, I love this action. I love, I love it. And mm-hmm. this is what I'm going to do the rest of my life. Mm. So I, Went home that night and I wrote out my goals. I said I was going to be, I'm 18 at the time. I'm going to go to the Culinary Institute of America. I had heard about this culinary school. It's the top in the world. And I'm going to graduate from there and become executive chef. By the time I'm 23, uh, I'm going to become uh, general manager by 24, regional director by 26, vice president of operations by 30, and president of a restaurant company by the time I was 35. Never thinking about my own, just, you know, mm-hmm. I was thinking president of TGI Fridays or something like mm. that. And I woke my mom up at one in the morning and said, I know what I'm going to do the rest of my life and share with her my goals. And she was quite relieved. And, you know, and I went to work the next day. So on Friday, I was the laziest guy in the kitchen. On Saturday, I was the hardest working guy in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. On Friday, I was working for the man. And on Saturday, I was working for myself and my future. And on Friday, I had a lousy attitude going nowhere. On Saturday, I had the best attitude. And, mm-hmm. and I really never got out of work since. And I never really looked back since. Mm, interesting. I, I hit all those goals. And I, I joke, uh, I got to tell one quick story. So uh, fast forward a few years later, I'm in my 30s now. And I meet a girl at my first restaurant. Uh, cameras are working. We only have, had only been open 90 days. And she comes in with another gal I used to work with at my first job. And she was 24 years old and moved to uh, graduate college and moved here to Columbus. She's from Cleveland and uh, to be a teacher and marry her college boyfriend. And they ended up breaking up. And so her girlfriend, who was my mutual friend, brought her, brought her in to the restaurant. We'd only been open 90 days. And we, uh, she goes, you should, you get anybody? I said, no. She goes, well, you should call my friend and gave me her number on the slide. And <laughs> and she couldn't believe it. She was so embarrassed. But anyways, I called her and I said, I wasn't dating anybody. I just got done up in my first restaurant. I had no time. I was working a bazillion hours. And so I call her up. We go to TGI Fridays right there for a drink on Thursday night at 9 o'clock. And her mom, she gets off school that day, Thursday. She's a teacher. And her, her mom goes, what are you doing? And she goes, well, I'm supposed to go out for a drink with this guy tonight, but I think I'm going to blow him off. I'm still not ready to go meet anybody yet. And, and her mom, who I obviously know now, because we've been married 28 years, says, so <laughs> get up off your couch, stop feeling sorry for yourself, put a coat of lipstick on, and go out and have a drink with a guy. What's going to hurt? Mm-hmm. And she was okay. And so we meet for drinks at 9 o'clock on a Friday, on Thursday night at Fridays, right next to Max Numbers, where I started my career way back when. And uh, we sit down at the bar, and she goes, I go, well, you obviously know what I do because she knew she'd been in my restaurant. I said, tell me about yourself. What do you do? And she says, well, I'm a sophomore English teacher at Westerville North High School, and I like to read. And I started laughing at her. And (laughs) she's like, "Uh, what's so funny? I said, well, I go, 
You know, I failed sophomore English three times in high school. <laughs> and, I, you know, I read a book every couple of years and I'm a couple <laughs> behind right now. <laughs> and we hit it off. We closed the bar that night and we both knew we were going to marry each other. Yeah. She wrote in her diary, I told my buddies, I think I met the girl, and we were engaged about seven months later and uh -huh. married about eight months after that. So That's great. And still married to this day with three great kids. So yeah, it, yeah I always joke when I tell a story about uh, failing sophomore English three years in high school in a row and, yeah. and then marrying a sophomore English teacher, and I, I joke I'm still taking sophomore English today. I can't get rid of it so in my life, but that's okay. Yeah, yeah that's great. So, that's a great story. Yeah, let me back up with you. Mm -hmm. I'm curious about you know a number of things, and I appreciate you laying all that out and sharing. And you know, I think this is part of the reason you asked me. You know, why do I do the podcast? Well, part of the reason I do it is because I think people can really get a lot from stories like what you just shared. I mean, I think a lot of people look at you and look at a lot of successful people, even people maybe specifically in the restaurant business, and they can't imagine how they can get to where you are or even somewhere along the way, especially mm -hmm. if they're the somebody that's a sophomore that's flunking out. And, sure. and like you, you know, I sort of had my struggles in school, in childhood, and didn't identify as smart, mm -hmm. right? Like I wasn't even sure if I was capable of doing anything, mm -hmm. you know? And I think there's a lot of people out there who don't necessarily see how they can get from where you were to where you are. And so I'd like to just dive into that a little bit more mm -hmm. with you. You know, also being a product of divorce, my parents got divorced when I was 10 years old, separated, you know, a little before mm -hmm. that. And so, you know, I think at that time in particular, Divorce was a very different animal mm -hmm. and it was very traumatic. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, you know, enough about your parents' dynamic and your dad and, you know, exactly what went on there. But maybe you could just talk a little bit more about how that really impacted you at that time, including your struggles academically, the drinking, the partying, the, you know, mm -hmm. that phase that you were somehow able to get through. I mean, a, yeah. a lot of people don't. Yeah, and that's a great question. And um, I, I think about that all the time because my kids really don't have any adversity. In their mm -hmm. life. You know, my kids have everything they want, and et cetera, et cetera. And I, but they end up being great kids. And that adversity for me was very, obviously I was too young to process it or anything else at right. that point in time. And, you know, I grew up in Upper Arlington, and you know, and I grew up in the have-not section of Upper Arlington, and uh, you know, I, I joke now I live in the have section, but I grew up in the have-not section, and, and and I never felt comfortable. I never felt like I belonged. My parents divorced. I had long hair. I was smoking. I was just, I was just kind of an outcast, and mm -hmm. and and so that became very difficult. And then when I came back after being a runaway. I knew it somehow I had, you know, to know. And I said to myself, I remember, you know, listen, nobody's going to take care of me but me. And the only way I'm going to be successful is, you know, I'm not going to win the lottery. I'm not going to inherit any money. And, you know, so I'm going to have to work hard for it. And mm -hmm. not that I was working hard my high school years, but I knew intuitively that that uh, I had to take care of myself and, mm -hmm. and, and make my life. And so... um even though I didn't go right after college, I knew I was going to go to college. I, I knew I was going to be successful. And I, I just, I didn't know how at mm -hmm. that point in time. And, you know, so uh, 
I fast forward, it gave me a tremendous amount of drive, mm -hmm. uh, not having anything and seeing all these kids around me with everything and um, Saturday Country Club mm -hmm. and all that, you know, and stuff. And it just said, so I want that. And so, mm -hmm. and I, then I, as I got older, I kept saying to myself, you know, and telling people I'm working hard for a wife and kids I don't know yet. And mm -hmm. you, you have to make a decision in your life. You're either going to wallow in what's happened to you or accept what's happened to you and make your change and change your, change your situation. Mm -hmm. So you can either continue the cycle or you can break the cycle mm -hmm. and change it. And I chose to break the cycle. And I'll tell you, one of my most favorite days in my life was... Uh, I'm sitting on my couch in my beautiful home in Arlington. I'm, you know, I'm probably, oh, call, I'm 60 now. This is probably, I'm probably 48, 50, whatever. I don't know, mm -hmm. maybe 45 to, you know. And I'm in my house and I'm having a glass of Chardonnay sitting on my couch and my dog is on my lap, my favorite dog, and petting him. And, mm -hmm. and my wife is up at our kitchen counter with her apron on and, you know, several girlfriends around drinking wine. And all three of our kids are running through the house with their mm -hmm. friends. And and I just sat there and had another epiphany. You know, I just sat there and I just took it all in and just looked at the scene. Mm -hmm. And and that was the perfect, for me, culmination of that I had broken the cycle, that mm -hmm. I created this this marriage, this good marriage, and this mm -hmm. you know, good family, these great kids, mm -hmm. this beautiful home, and, and this great business. And, and uh, I'd broken the cycle. Mm -hmm. I'd done what I set out, set out to do, and mm -hmm. it was a lot of hard work, obviously, over you know, the next mm -hmm. 25 years it was, or you know, 30 years. But it was uh, uh, one of my finer moments in my, mm -hmm. my life. Yeah. Personal moment, deeply personal moment, I guess. Yeah, that's really nice to hear. I think you're right. I think people do either continue the cycle or... Mm -hmm try to break it. Mm -hmm. Breaking it is hard. Mm -hmm. I mean, continuing it is hard too, mm -hmm. but in a lot of ways it feels easier. You know, you, uh, you have, I mean, I've seen, I've seen that scene. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I've felt that too in my mm -hmm. own life and, mm -hmm. and it's a good feeling, but it takes a lot to get there, sure. you know, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. breaking the cycle isn't something. Thousands of steps. Yeah. Because there's, there's a lot of conditioning. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you witnessed you absorbed, you know, mm -hmm. embodied a lot of shit mm -hmm. along the way. Mm -hmm. And it takes a lot of hard work, a lot of determination, a mm -hmm. lot of courage mm -hmm. to really make the decisions that are necessary in order to be able to really break it. Mm -hmm. Not an easy thing to do. No. I mean, it takes a lot of work. Simultaneously, I'm trying to build my career and build a business. And I, I remember in my late 20s, I met my wife when I was 30. And uh, in my late 20s, I started to see a psychologist for a couple of years just to make sure I cleaned up my own house, you know, that mm -hmm. I was ready to meet. And because I knew I was ready. I, I mean, mm -hmm. I, I I wanted to get married. I wanted to have, uh, I've already started to say I'm working for a wife and kids. I don't mm -hmm. know yet. And, and so forth. You know, I'm graduated school. I'm working on my, starting my career and so forth. And so I, I spent a couple of years with a psychologist just to make sure that, I was on track and then I was, I was, I was healthy and I kind of cleaned up everything in the, in the past and so forth. And it was, and, I, and that worked and, and mm -hmm. sure enough, I got done with that. And sure enough, I met Molly, you mm -hmm. know, and, uh, and I was ready. Yeah. Time. If I would have met her three, four years ago, maybe I wouldn't have been ready. Yeah. You know, so that was, that was, I think an important part. And I saw a psychologist another 10 years later for a couple of years. Then I was just dealing with, 
the kids and the home and really, really mm-hmm. juggling the business and the work and, and, mm-hmm. and making sure I was staying balanced and, mm-hmm. and so forth throughout that whole thing. Cause I never, I didn't want to wake up one day and have a successful company, but not know my kids or be mm-hmm. forced or whatever. So, so I took another period of time, made sure I had healthy friendships and healthy, everything was healthy, you know, mm-hmm. Uh, but life is a balance mm-hmm. and all the way through. And I always said, uh, as I was building the company and building our family, I have a big picture on my wall. My we, my son's high school graduation, we took a family portrait. Mm-hmm. That's, form, that's right in the center of my wall in my office, right above my desk. And everybody kind of sees the outward success of the restaurant business and so forth and, and my success there. But you don't really see always the inward success. And that, you know, mm-hmm. I worked just as hard at building my family as I did mm-hmm. uh, building our business. And, you know, as I was building the business, same thing applied to my family. You know, failure is not an option. Divorce is not an option. Mm-hmm. You know, you can knock me down, but I'm going to get right back up, you know, mm-hmm. one foot in front of the other and and just keep putting one foot in front of the other, building the, the house one brick at a time. And so that kind of fortitude and that, that, uh, that, that I was always, I've always been a goal setter, but that visionary process and that, that those here's what I want to achieve that mm-hmm. balance in my life, my balance of work and success, in my marriage and success in my family and success at work mm-hmm. was like I said, a, a culmination of, you know, really hundreds of thousands of steps along the way mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. decisions and doing the right thing and, and checking yourself and, and all those things. And so it's it's been a good you know I'm sixty yeah. today I'm probably happier now than I ever have been in my life and content and, and so good. it's good that's good I am curious just to, I want to talk about that balance a little bit mm-hmm. but but before we do that you know you talked about that grit and that adversity and mm-hmm. the runaway thing mm-hmm. that period of time I wonder when you think about like you know what you just said like you can't knock me down mm-hmm. and certain things are not options. Mm-hmm. I wonder like when you had that period where you mm-hmm. were on the run and mm-hmm. surf couch surfing and whatever, mm-hmm. like how much of that now that you look back really did help you build that like I can't fail that survival sort of instinct or I don't know, part of you. Mm-hmm. Um, was that part of it? Or do you look back on that period as, as a really dark period that you, you didn't, you never want to repeat? Well, I think certainly it was a dark period, you know, and I didn't really even know necessarily how dark it was, you mm-hmm. know? Um, uh, but to, to illustrate that, I had my 16th birthday it was June 14th. And, uh, and, you know, I tried to kill myself uh, on my 16th birthday in a run. So that certainly was a low point and mm-hmm. a dark point, but that adversity oh when i look back you know that adversity of growing up those 10 years mm-hmm. from and you know, i lost my dad when i was 20 you know mm-hmm. and i wasn't close to him I, it's ironic the first full day i spent with him in 10 years was the last the day before he died i didn't we didn't know he was going to die he died suddenly that night mm-hmm. so that was kind mm-hmm. of a full circle for mm-hmm. me but that adversity that 10 year span or so was uh, uh very very challenging mm-hmm. and um I got turned down to culinary school my first yeah, because my grades were mm-hmm, so bad. I had to mm-hmm. go to Columbus State, take some math and English courses. And mm-hmm. It's so easy. It re, you know, I look, it is easy to quit. It's easy mm-hmm. to stall. It would have been easier for me to say, oh, well, I can't get into culinary school, mm-hmm. you know. But but that that adversity and making it through that adversity has given me a sort of inner strength, I think. And, that, and coupled with 
growing up in the have not section in Arlington, you know, mm-hmm. and, and not having a healthy family and a, and a, and being poor and dirt poor and broke, you know, at that point in time, mm-hmm. uh, uh, has given me the drive. And, mm-hmm. and so in the, in the fortitude and mm-hmm. so I think in that way I was blessed, you know, yeah. I, I feel blessed yeah, know, yeah. even though I had to go through all that. Yeah. I think that's the hard part. And, and, you know, you mentioned the kids and you wonder sometimes, I think parents make the mistake of not letting their kids experience adversity, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, it's not always going to be, you know, to the extremes that, that, Mm -hmm. you know, you felt, but they call the coach when their Mm -hmm. kid's not playing enough, Mm -hmm. you know, they do things that like they think are trying to be good parents and advocate, but they got to take some hits along the way. I mean, that's how you, you build, that's how you learn to navigate the world. Yeah. Well, kids do, I mean, no matter what you do as kids, you know, pressure in today's schools and so forth. I mean, they take their hits all the time. But, yeah. you know, our kids uh, grew up really wanting for nothing. We mm-hmm. always said, you know, you're not going to get the first kid to get an iPhone. You're not going to be the last kid, you know. Mm-hmm. But, but they always had everything they want. You know, I've never seen a financial aid office, you know, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But with that said, and I've never raised my voice to my kids. I, you know, I could think on one hand. And there was only one way to get dad pissed off or have his raise his voice at you is when they act entitled. Mm-hmm. And our whole thing with our kids was you do your job, we'll do our job. You mm-hmm. know, you you work hard in school, you be a good person, mm-hmm. you be charitable, you mm-hmm. you know, you be a good friend. Uh you don't talk down about lesser kids that, that mm-hmm. don't have what you have, you know, and all those things. And if you act entitled, you can see dad's hair go back on the back of his head mm-hmm. real quick. And 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 so we've ended up, you know, with even though our kids really haven't had that much adversity other than normal mm-hmm. school stuff, and they, they would say in their own right they had. My middle son had, had dealt with some depression. Uh, my oldest son, you know, had, had some issues of his own. But, mm-hmm. but all in all, mm-hmm. uh, not too much, but they ended up being great kids. Mm-hmm. And, again, I think, you know, the, 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 they never had to do any chores or anything around the house. My, my son told me one day, he goes, Dad, you really have taught me how to work hard. He's at the study table in high school. And he goes, I go, I have. <laughs> you know, I, a lot of dads make their kids work or do mm-hmm, this or that. Mm-hmm. We always had them work in the in our business. They all mm-hmm. had to work in the restaurants during high school a little bit. But And he said, no, what, what you've done to build a business in your business, you know, because they saw mm-hmm. me leave every, you know, I traveled all over the country to build mm-hmm. restaurants. I was always coming and going and, and working hard. So that was a good thing but yeah the adversity uh, for the kids it can cut both ways mm-hmm. i mean it could really I, I agree with you i'm not we don't want to be helicopter parents and all that right. other thing but uh, on the same token i've always wanted to be better for my kids mm-hmm. growing up you know i lived in the financial aid office you know, yeah i could never yeah so yeah it's a fine line because you know you do want to give your kids the experience and the things mm-hmm. in life that maybe you didn't have you wish mm-hmm. you had including mm-hmm. you know love from mm-hmm. from a father right right, right right and on the other hand like you don't want to spoil them you don't want to entitle them you don't want to give mm-hmm. them too much so it is it is a fine line right, right. in fact i actually think i was thinking about this the other day I think every kid should work in a restaurant or mm-hmm. somehow mm-hmm. in a service position. I, at 16 years old, worked as a busboy at Lindy's. Mm-hmm. Ross, if you remember, mm-hmm. was oh, yeah. the manager. He he was tough. Mm-hmm. And the experience being on the other side, mm-hmm. I think is one, you know, I, I'll never look at a, a busboy, a waiter with anything other than just mm-hmm. the utmost respect. Mm-hmm. 
having done that job. Yeah. It, I think there is some humility that can be gained by doing those jobs. Yeah. But back to this moment of clarity you had uh, where you set those goals. Mm-hmm. I'm sort of struck by, you know, on Friday you were mm-hmm. on suspension, on Saturday you're the hardest working guy. W- tell me a little bit about that. I mean, it feels like it's almost like some sort of divine intervention that was just like hit you over the head that this was the rest of your life. You know, yeah. tell me a little bit more about like that moment where you really had that kind of clarity at a time where it wasn't real clear. Well, I can address that, but there's really another issue, another time too that was just as pure. Mm-hmm. And that was when I was 28. I was working for the 55 restaurant group at the time. Mm-hmm. I was operations guy, regional director, you know, whatever you want to call it. We had four restaurants. We grew to six. I was overseeing the front of the house operations of those six restaurants. And my boss, the operating partner, and we had a corporate chef and the CFO, the four of us ran that little business. And it was owned by some wealthy local business people here in town. And it was a hip pocket business for them and, and they didn't respect us in the restaurant mm. business at all. And, and my boss would become a real micromanager. The business was starting to outgrow him and he was increasingly difficult to work with. And mm-hmm. and so I was hitting my head on the ceiling. I went to I went to Spaggio's one night in Grandview for a drink on a Friday night, nine o'clock to meet a friend there for a drink. And my friend was late, running late. So I sat there at the bar, had a glass of wine, and I was you know, just checking out the scene. The place was packed, and and Hubert, Chef Hubert, who owned the place, walked out of the dining room from the kitchen. The rush was over, and his whites with a glass of wine in his hand started kibitzing with the guests. And I watched him, and I, and it hit me like a ton of bricks. I had another epiphany right then and there, and mm-hmm. I knew within thirty seconds, a moment of clarity, that I'm gonna start my own restaurant company, and mm-hmm. that was it. I left six weeks later, mm. and. It took me 14 months to put the first restaurant together. I was broke. You know, I got down to roll and change to buy groceries. I was depressed and mm-hmm. all sorts of things, but made it through and, and opened the first restaurant October 5th of 1993. Mm-hmm. And we've built a hundred of them since then. <laughs> and so those two, those two moments were mm-hmm. the most, you know, that my life changed, mm-hmm. you know, dramatically. Mm-hmm. And you said that was 93. Yeah, it was 92 when I that uh, epiphany hit me. Yeah. I was 28. Turned 29 shortly thereafter, then turned 30 and then opened up in June of 93 and opened up October 5th of 1993, my first restaurant. Yeah, so you're 30, 30 years, years old. Yeah, it's... I th- met my wife right after that. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, I think, you know, again, just to like highlight that, that, you know, I think people hear 100 restaurants and, mm-hmm. you know, but it's a 30-year run mm-hmm. of, of <laughs> oh, getting yeah. there. You know, yeah. I mean, that's, you talk about like one step after the next. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's what it took. Oh, yeah. You don't just get to 100 without, no. you know, <laughs> no. decades no. of no. hard, hard right. work. Right. Okay, so so I was going to ask you about opening up the first one, the jump. I mean, it, it sounds like, you know, you have that experience at Spaggio. You see it. You, you know that's what you want. But then, you know, you take the courage, you have the courage to take that leap. Mm-hmm. And I've learned in my own entrepreneurial journey that people tend to take a leap like that because they're either on fire, excited about where they want to go, mm-hmm. or they're drowning. Mm-hmm. In my case, I was probably both when mm-hmm. I started my company. It mm-hmm. sounds like maybe you were a little too. Yeah, I was. They're both related because. When I was 18, I said, I want to be president of a restaurant company, right? Mm. And so, and I've, I still to this day goal set, by the way. I have mm-hmm. a legal pad to the right of my desk on my credenza that says fourth quarter goals because mm-hmm. I'm in the fourth quarter of my career, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm still goal setting to this day. But 
When I was 18, I said I want to become president of a restaurant company. I told woke my mom up at one morning and told her mm-hmm. that, and I believed it, and I, I set my goal out to do it. So fast forward now to 28, I realized then and there that I was not going to be president of this company I was mm-hmm. working for because those guys didn't respect me. I they weren't building the restaurants like I wanted to. My boss was going crazy, and I needed to leave. Mm-hmm. So, all right, where am I going to go? and become president of a restaurant company. And that's where it hit me, the epiphany that it's going to be my own company. So, and I had to do it. Mm-hmm. There was no other choice. I mean, I was not, you know, I didn't even think about going to work for someone else and working my way up the ladder. I could have done that if I will. But, and at that point, and, and I, I have to preface one more thing. It was never, and never has been, never will be about opening a restaurant. I never said to myself, I want to open my own restaurant. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have my own restaurant. Had nothing to do with it. I wanted to be president of a restaurant company. So when mm-hmm. I left July 11th of 1992, my job and my one bedroom apartment, you know, up at the continent to start was to start to birth a company, mm-hmm. to build a company. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, I spent the first three or four weeks working on our culture and values of the kind of company I wanted to build. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then spent the next 31 years now, uh, doing that exact same thing, building mm-hmm. a company wrapped around those values mm-hmm. and that culture. And, and so that's how that, that kind of came together. You know, that, that those mm-hmm. are life goals that mm-hmm. I've had. Mm-hmm. That's right along with when I was sitting on a couch with my dog, you know, my, mm-hmm. my life goal was to build a family and mm-hmm. a healthy family and a healthy mm-hmm. marriage and, mm-hmm. and a, you know, a healthy, good career and a house and mm-hmm. all that be a loving dad and that culminated, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. so yeah, so yeah. yeah. L- l- let me let's talk about that because, you know, you really have. I mean, mm-hmm. I've seen it. You know, mm-hmm. I've been in your home. Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen your family, and I see how you travel, mm-hmm. and you know, mm-hmm. you uh, spend time together, and and how loving you all are as a family. I think it's rare. Maybe maybe I don't know. It's something that I certainly admire when somebody can do both. Mm-hmm. When they really can, and you really have built with Molly a beautiful family that is not entitled, that mm-hmm. you know is hardworking, that is together. Mm-hmm. Um, at least you know that's what it seems, and and in an unbelievable business, mm-hmm. and done all of that with challenge. I mean, there's times where the market's tough, this, that, the other thing happens, something goes on at home. I mean, but you did somehow manage to find that balance Mm -hmm. to do all those things. Mm -hmm. And maybe even with the odds against you Mm -hmm. based on the way you were raised. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what do you attribute that to, or what can you say about what went into making that happen? Well, I haven't really thought too much about this, but I just realized as we're here talking about, you know, I remember seeing, some young, some kids, some sons, I guess in particular, I don't know too many daughters, but some sons in particular of very successful guys mm-hmm. um, that have really floundered and struggled in their life and, and became assholes and pardon mm-hmm. my French, you know, mm-hmm. and, and jerks and so forth. And, and so I, as I saw that as a kid come to that, I said, never want my kids to be that way. And that's, I think that translates now immediately to when I said earlier, if my kids ever act entitled, you know, mm-hmm. I go ballistic with them and so mm-hmm. forth. So, so I always looked at it as a checkbook. You have to make deposits in your checking account mm-hmm. to cover the checks that you write. If you don't, then you'll be 
overdrawn and you'll be out of balance mm-hmm. and, and on your checkbook. And you have to balance your checkbook every, you know, whatever. I always looked at my life that way. So in other words, if I was on the road three weeks in a row and gone three or four nights that week, I always called every night, say mm-hmm. goodnight to my kids, always. I never missed that. And ask how they're doing in their day. And I always made their sandwiches. You know, I was a sandwich, chief sandwich maker in the morning, you know, for their lunches, you know, and spent the time with them in the morning. Mm-hmm. And so we say in our company, we want to make more games than you miss. You're going to miss some games, but mm-hmm. you make more. You make every recital, every important, mm-hmm. you know, date, every birthday, whatever. I don't mm-hmm. care what's going on. But if I'd make some withdrawals from the family, then I'd go make those deposits with the family and, mm-hmm. and then make some withdrawals from the business mm-hmm. back and forth and back and forth. Mm-hmm. Family time. Another example of that is I never worked at home and I was notorious. People in the neighborhood would see me. I'd get close to my house. I might be on the phone. Like might be seven o'clock at night, quarter <laughs> seven. And I'm driving around the block, you know, for 20 minutes. Yeah. Finishing a phone call because yeah. I won't. Once I go into my house, yeah. you know I want to be present there for mm-hmm. my family and my kids. Uh, you know, reading books in bed at night. You know, whatever. I mean, all those things. And I never worked at home, mm-hmm. and I didn't want to be that type of person. You know, mm-hmm. so that kind of balance and that constant cognate. You know, mm-hmm. I was always cognate of where I stood with our family and and the kids and so forth. And they'll tell you. I've asked them many times. They'll tell you today. Mm-hmm. No, Dan, we knew you were gone a lot, but mm-hmm. we also felt like you're always there. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of uh, combination. Yeah, that's a great point. I think my wife talks a lot about that. Her dad traveled for work all the time, mm-hmm. but when he was home, he was present mm-hmm. and she really felt that. And yeah. it was like you said, a deposit mm-hmm. that really filled her up. So it can be done. You can mm-hmm. do both mm-hmm. being present that's really mm-hmm. good. And I like that idea of the deposits. I'm curious, did you learn that? You mentioned the psychologist. Was that something that somebody taught you? Was it intuitive? Was it part of doing something different than what you saw when you were when you were a kid? What was it that got you to understand that 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 idea? Well, I think it was both. I think again, I go back to seeing these um, I study a lot of successful people and I mm-hmm. always watch successful people because I want to be successful mm-hmm. myself. And like I said, I, I don't want to name names, but I saw some of these examples of mm-hmm. these failures. And But meanwhile, these these guys had incredible careers or mm-hmm. you know incredible business they had built and so forth. And meanwhile, their kids are struggling or under drugs or whatever, mm-hmm. and, or assholes, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how does that happen? You know, and so I... I kind of put two and two together. I just figured, you know, they worked so hard, they ignored their family, you mm-hmm. know, and they have divorced and so forth. And uh, I believe that to be true. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I just said, so I kind of, I guess, came up with on my own at the checkbook theory, but it was like, uh, but it is true. And I, I remember through uh, some psychology, I remember I said I was struggling with, you know, some friends because I was working so hard I was having of having deeper friendships and you know mm-hmm. and, and that's what he told me too about balance you know you mm-hmm. well you have to balance your life you can't work you know to the bone you know you mm-hmm. you know friends you need to have friendships just as important as you need to have a good family I mean you, you mm-hmm. know so you need to be that good friend and, mm-hmm. and uh, you mm-hmm. need to give that to receive that mm-hmm. you know and so uh, so you know worked on that side of the fence too mm-hmm. but it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of culmination of a lot of things mm-hmm. you know Talk about one to a hundred. That's not a straight line. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we talked about the 30 years, but there's there's ups and downs along the way and probably some some real down downs and mm-hmm. some real up ups where, mm-hmm. you know, you uh, maybe sure. were making a lot of money and experiencing a lot of success that you, that you had never experienced before. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, maybe at times worried about losing it. Mm-hmm. I know that's just part of the entrepreneurial journey, but maybe talk a little bit about those extremes. Uh, well, certainly there was. My wife, uh, this just happened a couple of weeks ago, pretty poignantly. So I'm, I'm in the process now of really trying to move into a chairman's role and, and you know, just chief strategic officer and really clearing out my schedule. I want to be in Florida more. You know, I'm getting older. I want to, I want to travel with my wife and see our kids and, you know, mm-hmm. just do lot, you know, so and I'm tired a little bit, you mm-hmm. know? And so, uh, um, she goes, well, you've had cortisol coursing through your veins the past 30 years, you know, it's mm-hmm. time to get off, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, and, and so she was right. It was really hard. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you forget sometimes how hard it is mm-hmm. unless you reflect back. But, mm-hmm. and some real lows, some, you know, I remember, you know, 9 11 mm-hmm. was a sad day. When 9 12, go back to work and, you know, we have nobody in our dorms, nobody in the airports, nobody mm-hmm. traveling. We have three restaurants to open the next 45 days. Mm-hmm. We're, we're broken. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. 08 and 09, you know, you know, I mean, I had that great sale for 92 million, 22 of our restaurants and had more money than I never had in my life. And, and then read my own press clippings and went out and signed a bunch of deals and restaurants. And, mm-hmm. and then the Great Recession came and, and we almost went bankrupt. Mm-hmm. You know, I had put every dollar, after I'd lost 30% in the market, I had to put every dollar I had back into the mm-hmm. business. And so and then obviously COVID, you know, is mm-hmm. brutal. You mm-hmm. know? So, yeah. And I would say, you know, I've had bad days as an entrepreneur, obviously, you know, lots of them. But well, I remember in 05, I was one of the first companies to get hacked. Our credit card systems were broken mm-hmm. into, and, mm-hmm. and the bank ended up costing me a million six, and, and I was happy as a clam. And people were like, what, it's a million six? I go, well, that's not fatal. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to live to fight another day, and that's all mm-hmm. I wanted. Mm-hmm. you know. And mm-hmm. so there's been a lot of those. But for every one of those bad days, there's been 10 great days. Mm-hmm. It's been great being an entrepreneur. It's been great building scene we've had hundreds we call it caramel restaurants the acronym cmr mm-hmm. we've had hundreds of cmr baby marriages mm-hmm. hundreds of cmr uh, babies we've seen people build their careers our executive team walk around our office how long have been the company 15 years 20 years mm-hmm. 25 mm-hmm. years and, mm-hmm. and uh, that is very rewarding mm-hmm. all the charitable support we've given to the community you know uh, children's hospital james you know mm-hmm. uh, uh, Columbus State, Ohio State, mm-hmm. and, and then all the many, you know, Kip School and mm-hmm, everything mm-hmm. in between. It's been extremely rewarding. But yeah, it was it was a lot of tough days. And mm-hmm. like I said, if you think about that, you know, thirty years. What is it? Three hundred and sixty-five days a year. I don't know how many thousands of days that is. And yeah, I've been knocked down hundreds of times during mm-hmm. that period of time. And but just keep pushing. Mm-hmm. Just keep pushing. Yeah, you know, get up and dust off and keep moving. Yeah, and. and- Yet it is tiring, mm-hmm. you know, when you go back and you look at the 9-11s and the, you know, the hacks and then the 0809 and COVID. Mm-hmm. I mean, one thing that I've started to embrace 
as much as I can is that those kinds of things are just inevitable. Mm -hmm. They are going to happen. Mm -hmm. I say as much as I can, because you don't really know when they're going to happen mm -hmm. and they always look different. And when you're in it, it feels not quite as familiar as the one before. Mm -hmm. And, and it does beat you up. Yeah, I mean, it's, right. it, it can take a toll on you right. and yeah, you got to get up and keep going. You got to work through it, but you know, it wears on you too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, it certainly does. I mean, you know, COVID, you know, we shut down the company and laid off 4,500 people. And it was, um, my first 40 days and 40 nights were, were, were brutal. I mean, sleep, never mm -hmm. slept a whole night and all that sort of thing. But it also gives you confidence. Once you get through all this mm -hmm. over many years, you start to realize, well, you know, and, and how many times in our lives have Life gives you lemons, you make lemonade out of it. You know, mm -hmm. you 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 know, it's turned out what you. I always use the analogy: you get in a bad car wreck. By the way, this is just an example. Mm -hmm. You get and you go to the hospital. You're laying in the hospital bed, and you're thinking, "This is you're banged up, and this is the worst day of my life." You know, but next thing you know, this nurse comes in. Next thing you know, you fall in love with this nurse. Next thing you know, you get married. <laughs> you spend the rest of your life together. You have three wonderful kids with that nurse, okay. and it would have never happened if you didn't have that bad day. Right. You know, That's so right. it right. they're bad days are inevitable yeah you're exactly right and you keep moving and keep getting through them and 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 a lot of times they end up being the best thing that ever happened yeah. to you you don't know yeah. how bad they are for you really even COVID. yeah we came out of COVID stronger as a company and as a team and as yeah. you know as a business even financially yeah but we didn't know that at the time at the yeah. time we thought it was a death sentence. Sure, you sure. Know? Yeah, and it's interesting because you're 26, seven years into the business mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you've seen it all, mm -hmm. you think. Right. 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 Yeah. And then here comes this, yeah. you know, extremely odd curveball nobody could have predicted. Yeah. I had a friend of mine actually say, you know, in the real estate world, you know, to his investors, hey, sorry, I, I didn't predict COVID happening. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. yeah. I didn't see that one coming. Right. You know, right. I don't think no, anybody did. Well, talk a little bit about um, these fourth quarter goals. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm curious to hear. You know, you said you see yourself in the fourth quarter, mm -hmm. and you're moving more into this chairman role. Mm -hmm. Tell me, you know, a little bit about those goals, and also I'm kind of curious. I call it unique ability, which is the thing that you love to do that that really drives the most value to your business. Mm -hmm. You love it and you're great at it mm -hmm. and, and consequently drives value. I'm kind of curious in that chairman role and in this fourth quarter, what is it that you love to do and, and what is it that you will continue to do? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's uh, a good question. By way of example, one of my fourth quarter goals is all three of my kids out of college and successful in their lives. You know, so mm -hmm. my daughter's a junior. She's got two more years to go. So I'm, I'm mm -hmm. in the process of that goal, right? Mm -hmm. But when I think of, when I, and I mentioned it earlier, I love strategy, business mm -hmm. strategy. And, and oftentimes as an entrepreneur, I found myself, you know, our executive team is leaning to the right and I'm leaning to the left, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm, mm -hmm. you know, I just always have always felt sometimes my, all my restaurant brethren are one end of the football field and I'm standing down on the other end of the football field, mm -hmm. you know? And so it's just in my nature, that entrepreneurial bent and that think outside the box mm -hmm. and that curious George, what if, what mm -hmm. if we do this mm -hmm. versus that? And, 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 you know, contrarian, you know, everybody and their brother is building fast, casual restaurants. Mm -hmm. I never wanted to, do that you mm -hmm. know I, I was always we were building a fine dining brand you know during mm -hmm. the great recession we launched mm -hmm. a building a fine dining brand so which is our horse today mm -hmm. so 
that's the part I love the most, the strategy mm-hmm. and uh, I always want to do, I, always, I don't ever want to retire mm-hmm. as long as I can have my mental mm-hmm. capabilities, you know, but I just don't want to do the heavy lifting anymore, mm-hmm. you know, the traveling to all mm-hmm. of our restaurants. Mm-hmm. I always say if I never have to work, walk down another Marriott Courtyard hallway in the rest of my life, I'd mm-hmm. be a happy guy. And mm-hmm. So that sort of thing mm-hmm. is what I'm shoving away. Mm-hmm. But still keeping an eye on my goals and strategy and the mm-hmm. company. And then I think about my ultimate goal and I think will be the biggest test of my leadership and probably the one of the things I'd be most proud of of my leadership is if, you know, one day I'll be in a big restaurant in the sky. Mm-hmm. And if the guy, I've always said I want the company to be around 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years, mm-hmm. 100 years, long after I'm in a big restaurant in the sky. Mm-hmm. And so if I can create a leadership team a leadership sequence Mm -hmm. we know we've got the culture and values and have that that company supersede me even upon my demise Mm -hmm. and be healthy for future generations then that would be awesome and Mm -hmm. that's a really hard thing to do number Mm -hmm. one number uh, number two i remember talking to our exec team one time at our on our conference room table and i i said if all goes well none of you will be sitting at this table in the future and they looked at me like what? Mm-hmm. What are you talking about? I said, think about it for a second. I said, if all goes well, none of you will be sitting here at this table in the future, but the table will still be here, hopefully. Mm-hmm. And that right there says it all. Mm-hmm. And that we'll have a new set of leaders, that you mm-hmm. know, a new executive team or, or third generation of executive team mm-hmm. leadership that carries on that mantle. So mm-hmm. uh, that's my ultimate goal mm. and my ultimate uh, um, challenge I think in my life mm-hmm. that I'm in a process of yeah yeah that's a good goal I'm curious just one thing I don't know that that I've been kind of uh, wondering the creative part of you the entrepreneurial part of you that might get excited about something new mm-hmm. you know a new concept mm-hmm. how do you manage that? inside the business with you know like you said you know your your fine dining horse like Mm -hmm. do do you get bored of replicating something that's working and feel like you need to try new concepts Mm -hmm. or is the new concepts just part of how you find your next horse how do you feel about that it's really that's a good question and it'll take a little bit of an answer but so one i just love the business period Mm -hmm. you know so uh, our existing restaurants, new concepts, building mm-hmm. our you know a chain or whatever. I just love it all and mm-hmm. the strategy around all that. I've told our we're the nation's restaurant who's came over the, the fifth largest privately held multi-concept restaurant company in the country, mm-hmm. and uh, which is a nice honor and all that. And um, anyway, twenty-one restaurants. But I tell our team, it might be three hundred managers I'm talking to mm-hmm. at a conference. You know, you have to understand. Our business is one of the most difficult restaurant companies in the country to run because we have 21 different concepts. Mm-hmm. It's much easier to build one mm-hmm. of the same, you know? So we need to embrace that mm-hmm. and understand that. But it's also a hell of a lot of fun, mm-hmm. and it's also new and challenging. We've got two new concepts coming next year. Mm-hmm. Really, three, actually, mm-hmm. uh, coming next year. And so it's the genesis, and also has turned in, is how we, it is also creating our firm team. Mm-hmm. You know, we have... Some restaurants right now we think we could grow out of town. You know, we just opened the Pearl in Tampa. Mm -hmm. Fabulous. Just, you know, really seeing our projections. We just saw we have 
the Avenue Steakhouse, Hudson 29, we're getting ready to retool right now. We mm-hmm. think we can take that out on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, the Pearl Avenue Steakhouse, then we have our Del Mar concept, mm-hmm. which is different than one downtown, down in Naples, which mm-hmm. is a high-end Mediterranean concept. Mm-hmm. So we have more to come. So mm-hmm. that keeps it exciting and vibrant. But I tell people all the time, I see our team all the time, I said, you know, great restauranteur is difficult. If it was easy, everybody would do it. So mm-hmm. embrace that. It is difficult. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Last question, just out of curiosity, you mentioned the Mediterranean concept and I was watching this documentary on blue zones and the importance of of the food that we eat in mm-hmm. our health and mm-hmm. longevity. Mm-hmm. How do you guys think about um, kind of quality of food, health? What is it that you're putting on the menu that has people who are so health conscious Mm-hmm. you know, finding something to eat. I mean, how much of that plays into your thought process when you, you know, open a concept like that? Not much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, we've seen time and time again, you know, that healthy food. Right. People, you know, I mean, I do it all the time. You know, healthy food. I'm going to go out and eat healthy tonight. Yeah. Eh, you know, I already have the cheeseburger. You know, <laughs> it, it, it doesn't, you know, once you get in the moment, you know, yeah. you know, very few people stick to a plant-based diet yeah. or whatever. So yeah. now with that said, we're way out in the forefront and have been for years, you know, with celiac disease and all that, uh-huh. and identifying that and not making people feel uncomfortable and yeah. making people feel safe in our restaurants and so yeah. forth. And we also got to remember, too, our motto is yes is the answer. What's the question? Mm-hmm. So if someone wants to deviate from something on mm-hmm. a menu and order something, yeah, well, if yeah. we can do it, we will. So so we have those pieces and parts in place. But I don't I don't really think, a laugh, you might not think this is kind of funny, but I thought it was kind of funny. I got diagnosed <laughs> with cardiovascular disease this year. And mm. Doc is doing a stent and tells me, you know, how much, you know, my blockage I have. And I go, I go, that's it? <laughs> I thought I'd have a lot more than that after my <laughs> lifestyle, you know, <laughs> eating, yeah, you know, going right. out to eat in three different restaurants every night on the road, traveling and, yeah. and testing and all, you know, that my diet yeah. has not been healthy by any stretch of the imagination. Now I'm trying today. Yeah, yeah, my blood yeah. works great today. All those things. Sure, today, but sure. I remember laughing. Like, oh, is that it? That's all I yeah. got? Goes, yeah, yeah. You're well, expecting more. I go, oh yeah. I mean, listen, <laughs> you know, it's there's conflicting evidence everywhere. Right, you know, right, you can right. look at the people that are you know drinking good wine and smoking cigarettes yeah. and having a good life and living long i yeah. mean who knows oh, yeah i know but i yeah. it is i'm i'm much more responsible today than i ever have been but you yeah know, and all my blood works great and all that good stuff but yeah. uh yeah. i uh i remember laughing about that because you know <laughs> i certainly when you talk about a healthy lifestyle yeah that was not in the cards yeah. all the menu tastings i've been to for you know hundreds and hundreds oh, and hundreds you know. yeah sitting in my hotel room the other night oh <laughs> dying you know so right um right so yeah, yeah. it uh, i was happy with my results yeah good 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 <laughs> yeah cameron thanks for taking the sure. time i appreciate it any final thoughts anything you want to share no, with the it's audience great. no it's great yeah. uh, i appreciate it and i'm happy to share as you know I always say I'm an open book and, you know, I wrote yeah. a book and my life is an open book and, yeah. and I like being that way. I'm a, I'm an open leader, you yeah. know, with our team. I never hold never, nothing close to the vest. And, yeah. And so I love that transparency. And if, if your listeners can uh, glean a little something from this, that's fair. I'm happy yeah. to do it. So I'm sure they will. Yeah. Good. Good. Okay. Thank you. All right. Thank you. All right. Always good to be here. Always good to see you. Thank you for listening to the gravity podcast. Please subscribe to the show at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. 
To learn more about the entire Gravity Project, please go to gravityproject.com. Please check out the podcast on Instagram at the Gravity Podcast. Music heard of the show is provided courtesy of Kyle Lamoro and Oliver Oak. 